0: Greetings, this is Jason Hill, and this is the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio, 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM in Chicago.
1: Good morning. This is Mike Sherrick. This is Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. And uh, this is the first time we've done this, Jay. This is the first time you and I have both been remote. I'm up in the, the, the lovely shores of Lake Winnebago, Wisconsin. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you're out in Elgin, and we're broadcasting from Evanston, so that's awesome. Not quite global, but definitely Midwestern, so. Yeah, welcome, everyone. Good morning. It's be- is, is it beautiful in Chicago? It's beautiful up here. Yes, yeah,
0: beautiful. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. The Midwest seems to be go- undergoing a temporary, we had big storms here in Chicago.
1: Yeah, Thursday yeah. night. I, I came up here yesterday, and, and Thursday night it was... Uh, I see we here, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, we got three inches of rain. We had floods by me, you know. Our yeah. yeah, yeah. So good to
0: see you, man. Thank you him here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, it looks like there's we're moving from the stage of everyone's locked down to the stage of everyone's wide open now. And uh, uh, and it's and I know there's some things you wanted to bring about it and and there has been kind of this, uh, you know, I, I'm up here in Wisconsin right now and and uh, Thursday, they, the Supreme court overrode the governor and, you know, rescinded the stay at home order. And so Thursday, it just went up for grabs. I mean, there were hundreds of people in bars and, and saloons and then next door, the bar would be closed because the owner didn't know what to do. So it was being left up to the individual owners and it didn't go well. So they pulled it back and they shut everything down again, Thursday night. And then Friday, again, they opened it up again, but. Um, they're looking for some guidance and it's, it's kind of chaotic. Nobody knows what to do. I was at a, I went last night to pick up some food from this uh, kitchen for lack of a better word. It's a tavern restaurant kitchen, you know, they still didn't have an, any uh, people in, the, in there, but they were serving takeout. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, I said, what are they going to do? And, and they're waiting for some guidelines. And this is pretty responsible. This is up in Oshkosh. These people are pretty responsible. And and you know, I trust that whatever they choose to do is gonna be pretty good. But you know, it it's just wacky and, and there's no there's no like idea of what works or what doesn't work or what what's in line or what's not in line. It's gone from complete shutdown to complete kind of wide open wild, wild west. Yeah. And that doesn't work either, you know, there has to be some version of transition. So yeah. I know there were some some ideas you had and some things you want to talk about about that
0: well, I mean, I think part of the chaos and part of the indecisiveness or or yeah. the, the sort of arbitrary behavior of people really stems back to the beginning right? yeah, yeah. that is the absence of a goal from mm-hmm. this from from the from this issue arose back in January, yeah uh. The government really should have had. Before you can have a plan, you need to have a goal. Yeah. And we should have had a goal, and the goal should have been either you know mitigation or which is to slow down the virus, yeah, the spread of it over time, so that our healthcare system doesn't become overwhelmed at all. Yeah. Or suppression, which is to eradicate the virus. Yeah. To save lives. Yeah. And yeah. um, and this should have been uh, addressed. I think. Early as January, um, we should have had. I mean, it's unfortunate. Again, I'm going to go back to you know the president again. Said sure. This was the sniffles up until March 12th, and that the numbers would go down. I think that you know Dr. Rick Bright, the the deputy the former deputy assistant secretary of health who testified before Congress, yeah, uh, the the former former whistleblower who said that you know he had been warning. as early back as january Mm. that precautions need to have been taken that we should have had a plan of either are we going to mitigate this thing are we going to suppress it and so because there was no real plan there was no real there was no real goal um there was no real pathway you know we need these mental maps in our minds to Mm -hmm. guide our actions and if we don't have these mental maps then it's It's an inversion of Lewis Carroll's line. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Yeah. Well, this is how we're behaving. We're behaving as if any road will get us anywhere. Yeah. And I I think, so I think this kind of behavior stems from an absence of, 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 of goals in the first place. Well, I think
1: before even goals, it's an absence of leadership. And we've been talking about that from the very beginning. Yeah. That there's just been a void of leadership and. And, you know, at first I was really irritated, Jay, by the, the absence of leadership. But I, I think where I've come is I think it has to do with, like, my own expectations. I think I have to, I think there has to be a bigger conversation about what are our expectations of government leadership? Like, what do we expect of them? You know, uh, do we expect them to lead or do we expect it just to be a political exercise? And if they're not going to lead in times of crisis, then who is, you know, how does that get handled? Because there's always going to be times of crisis, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the, at least I always thought that was kind of the idea of government is in times of crisis, we rally around, we come together, we deal with it, but that didn't happen this time. Yeah. And it didn't happen, you know, uh, because we, we've become very fragmented, you know? And I think some of the things you were talking about is a way to kind of pull us back together, you know? some of the core ideas behind this country and behind our, our way of operating, you know, mm-hmm. but, but it's difficult to have a difference of opinion and not completely uh, disregard the value in that opinion, you know, right. these days. And that just strikes me as odd, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, part of part of the problem also is that, um, People, I think, politicize different concepts differently. Yeah. For example, you know, you and I are both uh, uh, libertarians in certain, yeah. I, you know, right. We both, I mean, we are both patriots. We both yeah. value. Free. We're, I would, yeah. I would say, we're freedom absolutists and and, and yeah. lovers of liberty. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that uh, freedom in itself has to be contextualized in certain ways. Like we gave up, we, Americans. Have to remember that we, we gave up a lot of our freedoms during 9 11. 2,997 mm-hmm. people were killed. Yes. And look at, in a, or close to three, let's call it, grown it off 3,000 3, people. Yeah. Where people were killed. And look at how much of our freedom and how many liberties we gave up. Yeah. Not to minimize the 3,000 deaths. There are now over 85,000 people killed over a six week period mm-hmm. in this virus. Mm-hmm. And people were willing, cavalierly willing to give up their freedom because of a terrorist attack that killed, that, we're still, that we have still given up, the yeah. surveillance, yeah. invasiveness, because we contextualized, we, we, most people made a collective decision that, you know, having contextualized and perceived a threat to our national security and our personal freedoms, we were willing to, there was a trade-off, we we're willing to give up certain, certain freedoms. Yeah. This is an invisible enemy that is attacking us. And um, I think that it has to be contextualized also that people have to be there. There are certain people who I don't want to use the word freedom zealots, because that's going to make me sound like um, I'm attacking freedom when I certainly am not. Yeah. But I think that there are people who are not contextualizing this situation for and what do I mean by this? I was looking at the TJ Maxx uh, scenario, I think it was in Wisconsin, where there were like 200 people in the Target store, most of whom were not wearing masks. Yeah. And, and one woman said, I want to have the freedom not to wear my mask. Yeah. And I, I thought about that. And I thought, you know, you could be asymptomatic uh, and you don't know, because there are just many ways in which people the virus is manifesting itself in yeah. body aches yeah. and headaches without the traditional symptoms. And, you know, there's also a way in which you're protecting yourself, but you could also be spreading the virus and you don't know. Yeah, And there are just ways in which we need to rethink how we think about freedom and how we exercise our freedom responsibly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's going to take some, Rethinking that like freedom is not just this thing that we just run out in the world and unthoughtfully exercise. The, the way we exercise our freedom, especially when we're part of communities, mm-hmm. require thought and thinking, and 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 a sort of a concern for a fellow human being. Oh, you know, you know, J- you hear what I'm saying?
1: Absolutely. I, you know, with great freedom comes great responsibility. Freedom, you know, and not to be cliche, but freedom is not free. You know. Unabashed, irregardless freedom can occur like a frat party, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Those never end well. You know?
0: Yeah. I
1: mean, there's a lot of hangovers.
0: Yes. And
1: and people get punched. And, you know, there's a lot of other unfortunate things that can happen at frat parties. That and and, and that's not what that's not freedom. That's chaos. You know? Yeah. There has yeah. to be, I, I think what there has to be, Jay, is you said like a goal. I think we've got to ask. What do we want this, what do we want this experience of being Americans, being alive? What is our, what's the future do we want to have be, you know, moving forward? Hey, we're back. This is Mike Sherick, Jason Hill. This is into the gap. So Jay, I apologize that I'm having some problems with this zoom line here. Uh, I'm out in a, the Great North. Well, that's okay. Up in the well, land, land
0: of no. brand new microphone that I just bought. I can't even use it because I'm such a I'm such a um a geek that I can't I guess <laughs> Randall is gonna help me soon. Um yeah. I don't know. Output, input, I'm just like a mess. Yeah. But it's a good microphone. Um and it'll work. I just yeah. have to figure out some of the configurations.
1: Yeah. Again, neither one of us are technical wizards, so yeah. yeah. So uh yeah, we were talking about just uh the creation of a, a future and how you know and really in you know expanding the conversation of what we want this the world to look like now, given the coronavirus. I think we've got to find a way to like you said, mitigate and suppress it, but also to coexist with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's gonna require some behavioral changes, you know.
0: Yeah, it will. It will require behavioral changes on both the personal level and I think the political level. I mean, one of the things I wanted to, to mention was I was looking at, um, like I said in the last show, I think, you know, there's kind of leadership models that are coming from private individuals. Like yeah. when we look out at the, at the landscape, when we look out yeah. at the world, we see, you know, managers, line managers, uh, executives of, 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 of of various companies who are forced to work, mm-hmm. boosting the morale of their of their, um, of their companies. Yeah. And I was looking at Harvard Safra Center for Ethics, um, who put out a report, and they were very strategic. You know, they didn't want to demoralize the American citizens, so they mm-hmm. refrained from criticizing the administration, um, which is the job of the media and <laughs> and intellectuals to criticize both the left and the right and any political bodies. But one thing they said is that they said I uh, just made some notes on it. They developed a sort of roadmap for a federalist yeah. approach. Yeah, and they said if states are to work for the for, if the federalist approach is to work, then the federal government has to support the states in three ways. One is is to is to coordinate the supply chain so that states don't end up in a ruinous bidding war against each other. Well, they missed that one. And then they said two, this, the federal government has to issue the debt necessary to backstop state and local spending as revenues collapse. Mm-hmm. And then they said three, the, we have to deploy the federal government's vast scientific resources to ensure the best available, that the best available of such resources is being possessed and disseminated to the states quickly and clearly and I thought I liked all three approaches, but I thought mm-hmm. coordinating the supply chain so that states don't end up in a bidding war against each other was very, very good because I think that's that's what that's what we're seeing happening. Yeah. And in order to achieve some sort of equity, because you know, nobody's talking about like Puerto Rico, which is on the brink of I mean, Puerto Rico's like not even mentioned that that Commonwealth of Wars is is on the brink of bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. You know i mean how do you deal with a poor state like mississippi uh versus um more you know wealthy states like let's say colorado yeah um you know uh so in order to sort of i mean we're talking about citizens here all tax citizens who did not invite this pandemic on themselves through no vices of their own correct and um, I, I like this sort of approach where uh, you coordinate the supply chain so that you don't end up in this kind of bidding war, so that you have a disproportionate number of deaths occurring in in poor states. Um, yeah. When it's not really the fault of people. I mean, look, if people in one state, if there's a high percentage of people in one state engaging in bad behavior, like you know, smoking five packs of cigarettes a day. And, gouging themselves with f- bottles of vodka <laughs> just for some reason because it's like a cultural habit in some states but like and the libertarian in me is going to say well you willfully chose to engage in bad behavior or wasteful yeah, yeah. behavior to bear the consequences but yeah you know this is a pandemic that no one really chose to so i like those approaches I, what do you think uh, I,
1: I no i do i like them i like them all i think the first one uh you know, the, the coordinating of the supply chain uh, to date, I think, has been a failed experiment. I think one of the things that's really seen is it really shown is the flaw in the supply chain. And I could go on for for days about the errors. Yeah. And, you, yeah,
0: yeah. You
1: know, but it's really point, and, and I think it's always good news to point to the breakdowns and to identify the breakdowns. So then, there you can, when you restore it and repair it, you can actually make. Real change. I don't see the leadership coming from government, though. I, I don't. I haven't witnessed anything inside, especially the federal government, that says there's any kind of expertise or understanding of that and the nuance of it. You know, so it. I think there should be some coordination to, that that states shouldn't you know bid against each other. That would make sense. I mean, the whole idea of you know bringing all the states together to to create a solitary bidding process and then allocate from there and create set pricing across the you know, that, think of the the massive buying power you would have you know, anybody who's a supplier would love to get in, involved in that, so I think that's a viable one. The second one um, what was the second one again? That uh, the
0: federal government issues the necessary debt uh, to, to stop the back to, to, to necessary to, to backstop yeah. state and local spending yeah. as revenues collapse.
1: It seems like that's what they're trying to do and you know they they did it they did it early on. I think that they're looking to do it again. I hope my hope is, in, in like every bill, there's always the pork that gets put in there for negotiations. I hope it doesn't get too politicized. I hope I hope we can the two parties can come together and work for the greater good. Um, yeah. I, sometimes I see hope in it. Other times I I, I lack it. I th- I think the problem with the two parties, the leadership of the two parties. Um, particularly Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi. They both seem to have been so attacked that they're unwilling to let go themselves. It's, it's gotten so personal. So maybe there needs to be people a little bit below them that are kind of leading the charge and and creating a sense of um, a little less uh, emotional approach to it. But I think that, I think they're kind of doing it and they're looking to do that. And I think, you know, they're, they're on that way. And then the, the last one, the the providing expertise and the, the scientific backing I think is what it was uh, I'm concerned that, you know this is some of the stuff you brought up there's some of the gutting of the federal government that happened early on yeah that is, that is starting to show the impact of this and I don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle there yeah so you know I if you know if you get two wrong out of three what's that grade when you're a teacher Jay you know
0: well,
1: yeah, it depends on yeah, <laughs> your skill. Yeah. Um, That's not a good grade, though, you know? No, it's not. But, well, you know. But I, I like was, the idea of it. I, I think it's a very sound idea. And I, and I think it, even for a libertarian like you and I, at times like this, you need you need some common goal where we can work together. And I, I think that provides that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love the idea behind that. Um, Are you there? Or did I freeze up again?
0: No, you're here. You're here um what what i don't what i don't like is the kind of um for this federalism to work we've we've got to have um we can't have this kind of pittance of governors against each other so i'm you know um at a press conference when president trump says to mike pence you know don't call the governor of washington because you're wasting your time with him and don't call that woman in michigan um, where it seems like grudges and impulse, grudges and and, and grudges basically are, are in some sense influencing uh, the White House's decision to work with governors. I don't think that's a really, and I like I said, it's my job to to call things where I see them. I don't think that that's a good a good a good place to start, right? We we have to have a leadership that can rise above that kind of um, pettiness mm-hmm. um, to get this kind of federalism going. You know, yeah. you, can't, you can't make a statement like, don't call that woman in Michigan, as, as annoyed as one might be, as you and I have talked about, yeah, uh, some of the more draconian um, measures taken in Michigan, mm-hmm. um, that is offensive to the sensibilities of people who who who, who who want to get out and you know in a non-threatening manner, like mow their lawns? Yeah, yeah. Lawrence, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just not helpful uh, on a, from a leadership perspective to be telling the vice president, you know, don't call this person Washington, don't call this woman this. Well, she has a name by the way, uh, but don't call this woman in in in, um, in Michigan. Um, yeah. I mean, we can't we the the. The executive branch can't be, can't be pitting um, governors uh, or can't be conducting itself in that, in that sort of manner. It has to rise above personal grudges and party grievances. It, there has to be. We have to be
1: adults. You know, one of the things, yeah, I, I don't, I, I'm not very aligned with Andrew Cuomo's politics or his policies, mm-hmm. but the one thing I will say about him is this guy's operated as an absolute adult throughout the whole thing, you know, yeah. he's, he's operated above the fray. He's, he's gotten away from name calling. He's gotten away from um, blaming and he's just looking what he can do. And he's in the most difficult situation of any governor in the state in the country. And yeah. I don't know if he's done good or bad, but what I will say is he's occurred to me to operate in a condition of leadership, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know what the impact he had on his results you know were or not, but what I do know is that the people who live there respect him mm-hmm. and and appreciate his the way he's operated you know and yeah. and I, I I wish there was more of that you know i I wish we got away from oh he's a Democrat, he's a jerk or she's a she's a republican she's a jerk or all of right. this stuff right because right. that just doesn't matter anymore right and all the conversations that we delve in in that get away from the very thing you're talking about, which is mitigating and uh, suppressing this disease. You know, it's just putting effort where it's not necessary right now. We can get back to it later, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I'm just, yeah. So anyway, when we come back, we're going to, we're going to look at, um, like, how do we how do we really move forward in this? And I'd love to get your ideas on this, Jay, and what you think, you know, what the next steps are, because even in Illinois, I think they're reducing some of the, the lockdown stuff this weekend. Right. In some of the different yeah, areas. I so. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I uh, it's going to be interesting when I went back, because when I went, he was talking about keeping it going to the to the middle of uh, June
0: Jason Hill here, and I want to let you know that you're listening to the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio. Tune in live from 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM, the Smart Talk app, tunein or wcgoradio.com. The podcast is available from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Find it, rate it, and subscribe. If you'd like to get in touch about the show or inquire about sponsorship opportunities and rates, please reach out to my co-host Mike at MikeShrek at gmail.com.
1: Dallas Cowboy Hall of Fame coach Tom Landry once said, a coach is someone who has you see what you don't want to see and has you hear what you don't want to hear, so you can always be the person you knew yourself to be. Hello, I'm Mike Schreck, founder and president of the Mike Schreck Group and Mike Schreck Coaching. We are an executive coaching and leadership development organization with offices in Berwin, illinois and oshkosh wisconsin successful organizations begin with the self-awareness and authenticity of its leaders and in today's world we are all leaders if you or your organization has a big vision or you know there's another level you can go to please give us a call at 630-643-6336 if you're one of the first three people who call us today You will be eligible for a free IMX leadership assessment and debriefing, a $550 value, free to you and your organization. So give us a call at 630-643-6336 and take it on. Hey, we're back. This is Mike Sherrick. This is Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap, WCGO Chicago. So Jay, moving forward, what do we do? How do we do this? How do we be?
0: Well, I think that um, one is that you know we've 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 got to have a comprehensive plan, yeah. and right. So you know I'm not I'm not you know let me say something. It's sure. like here's an analogy. There are yeah. 300 people on a plane. This okay. is why we have this is why we have expertise domain. Yeah. The 300 people on a plane and there are two pilots in a cockpit. Yeah. And these 300 people on a plane are all free to have their opinions about how the plane should land. Right. And they're free to have those opinions. Yeah. But there's, there are only a number of ways in which that plane can land and only two people on that plane are, have an idea or know how that plane should land. And it's those two people in the cockpit. Yeah.
1: So
0: I think there needs to be uh, we need to stop this this bad mouthing of the so-called experts because 9 months eight, 6 months ago this virus or 8 months ago this virus did not exist in a human body yeah and it's very very difficult from a scientific point, point of view to, ex, to to develop an expertise in a in a virus that did not exist in the human body it's going to take a long time no. so there are a lot of scientists out there who are working their butts off to develop an expertise domain. And there has to be a a coordinated effort between the policy makers, the government, and these scientists, and it's time to stop demonizing. And I'm talking about the government and government officials and a certain segment of the American people who are suspicious of science and, and and experts to stop demonizing these scientists right, and and work in tandem and stop talking about Dr. Fauci as a demon and and as evil and, and all these scientists, because that's the only way that we're gonna come up with a comprehensive plan for finding a vaccine. And when that vaccine is found, we need to find a way to not just fill it, but to make it, to distribute it, to administer it in a way that is fair and equitable and we're we're not there. We sh- so how do we go forward? We need to. St- we we had a two window when President Trump declared a national emergency. Mm-hmm. We had a two window of opportunity, and as and as and as far as I'm concerned, that two window of opportunity, that lockdown period, mm-hmm. as 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 Bright said, is you know he basically said that it's it's uh, it's a pause button it's a pause button to come up with a plan of where do we go from here? What's the next strategy? It's not, it's, it's not, and it's not just a a waiting period. Yeah. And we've, we've got to develop a national comprehensive plan about the, the the worst case scenario about the fall and the winter when, and I'm listening to the, to the experts around the world, not just, you know, The hand selected experts that we listen to on the TV. But when this thing comes back with a vengeance, and it's all in all likelihood, it's going to come back with a vengeance in the fall and and the winter. Mm -hmm. You know, we at this moment need to be developing a strategy for how to fill that vaccine, how to make it distributed, administrated. There is no comprehensive plan right now. So we're going to be screwed. We're going to be up the creek when that Jay,
1: happens. What do you say about, so the con- the concern I have with, and, and, it's, and I'm somewhat critical of do- Dr. Fauci. I find him to be uh, a very difficult person to listen to and a very difficult person to trust. And the reason is, is early on, there were all these predictions about millions of dead and hundreds of millions of people infected and it's not even come close to that this disease has been horrible
0: mike are you back uh, yeah i'm back i'm
1: sorry okay. the, the zoom thing keeps bouncing out it's better than oh. porn porn jumping oh, so, you, so you
0: were that's okay you were saying that that the the exact, exacerbated numbers yeah sort of annoy you
1: well what it does it it it, it creates a lot of fear and panic right and and then when it doesn't show up, it creates a credibility gap. So then I don't know. It's like the boy that cried wolf, right? And it, it's, it, it's like it's treating the, the American people as they can't handle the truth. And I think that's the danger. The, the problem, I don't know who to believe. I don't know who knows what they're talking
0: about. I don't but trust. Mike, yeah. Mike, the boy crying wolf acts yeah. with absolute forethought of malice, with okay. an intention to deceive, with an intention to play chickenry and acts with the intention of being a mischief maker. I don't think any of these scientists put forward two million or 350. I think they're looking honestly at the ravaging deleterious effects at this and they're just they're mistaken this is this this is a virus that does not behave with the kind of consistency and predictability. There's no that doubt. All the viruses have behaved with. Right? Well, this, so this, then what I would they're off, they're they're often their judgments, and I think the public has to grant them some kind of latitude and 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 trust, and know that these people are not witch doctors, but they're they're, they're not they're not they're not either Attila the Hun, right? You know battering the witch doctor into giving them results that they want these people are credible Mm -hmm. hard-working people who have mankind or humankind at interest
1: i'm not questioning their intention okay i'm i'm questioning um i don't think we've ever seen anything like this yeah so all i'm looking for is someone to come and say listen We made a mistake. I thought it was this. This is what we were looking at. You know, talk to us, educate us, you know. But what I'm seeing is this constant moving of the goalposts, constantly changing here and there. No cleaning up of the errors or mistakes in the past. No, no, no acknowledgement of, I don't know. You know, part of, part of like discovery of science is like, we don't know. This is a, this is a theory. This is where we're looking at. This is where we're going with it. Just that. I mean, I would really appreciate that. I don't. I'm not that tied to results. I really want to look at the process and understand what they're thinking. I'm more than willing to trust someone, but I'll be honest with you. I look at some of the stuff with Doctor Fauci, and it just, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to talk about him because I have, I have very little trust in him because he gets paid by too many people, and
0: I don't. Well, have- he's, he's in fear of his job. He's under threat to say what the administration wants him to say. It's just like Dr. Rick Bright, right? Yeah. He's, he was he was the, the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Health. Uh-huh. He 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 gets fired because he refuses to endorse efforts to push a very, very dangerous drug, yeah, right, that has killed hundreds of people yeah. who have tried it under the recommendation of the White House with no testing. Yeah. And he refuses as a responsible doctor. And what he gets fired. So these scientists cannot work under that kind of pressure. They have to be free. So when you know when when scientists are in fear of rejecting authoritarian figures who hover over their head and are and are forced to produce figures or not produce figures, when 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 the White House says something like something as absurd and ridiculous as we probably shouldn't test people because the more we test people, the more sick sick people we find. Yeah. So therefore, what kind of rubbish is this? And how are, I mean, really, you think printer's a clown? What kind of rubbish is this? We, we shouldn't test people because the more we test people, the more sick people we find. So let's stop the testing. How are scientists supposed to work? Well, welcome to
1: Virginia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> under How are scientists supposed to work? Under, and you expect scientists to really do their work properly under these kinds of conditions?
1: Listen, it, it, there, there's no excuse for that. And the, and the truth of the matter is, as, especially as a scientist, you cannot alter your findings and you can't alter your, your position strictly because of it, it may put your job at risk. There, there becomes a, this personal stand. I've I've been fired a couple of times for stating the truth and taking a stand, and and that there there comes a time that it's like what's more important your career or the thing you're committed to, and and that's the question I have you know, and and I don't there there are no right answers here Jay, there there are absolutely no right answers. There's just that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for character. I'm looking for. You know, people to stand up if everybody if 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 Trump is as horrible as everyone says he is, if everyone would stand up and say, listen, this is the way the guy is. You know, there, there would be there would be pushback on him that would require him to change or move out or something. But and, I, and it kind of looks like it's kind of getting there, but that, that's that's how change occurs. It begins with character.
0: Well, I think Dr. Bright's testimony before Congress mm-hmm. as a whistleblower was a show of leadership and of character. Absol- absolutely. No, right. absolutely. I wonder how much too was, you know,
1: bitterness because he's you know, he's butthurt because he got fired. You know, these positions are cool and and it's a tough it's a tough, tough thing to get into. You're you're in a position of authority and influence, and it's it's status and it's cool. And then you you've got your own character that you stand for. And then you're told to do something that's aberrant and you got to make a choice. This is, this is called being an adult. And in times of crisis, that's what happens all the time. And it's, it, it, it's, and there's no rule book on how to do it. And all there is to do is you deal with one's personal integrity. I applaud Dr. Brett. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't um, watch the the hearing, but I applaud that he, he came there and I trust that he spoke his truth. And that's all you can ask of anyone, you know? And so, you know, I think that's what it's going to take. That the, the challenge I have with, with Dr. Fauci is he does get paid by a lot of people. He's afraid of losing his job, and he's a windsock. And I don't, I don't know where he stands one day from the other. He gives these, to me, they're, they're very ambiguous answers. And he's in a position of a tremendous amount of influence. So, anyway, that's my soapbox on it. But yeah, and I, I you know, and, and, and I'm so disappointed in the way that the federal government's operated. We really need leadership, and it's not there. No. So when we come back, let's talk about it, because I want to get your take on, on what's going on there, because you've got a lot of opinions about that, and your your position's changed, and I think it's valuable. And I think I'd like to, to share that, all, okay? So, Jay, we're talking about, uh, you know, the elephant in the room, I think, is um, the performance of the federal branch and the, the federal government.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think that... Um... There really needs to be, as I said, more more coordination between um, the federal government and the local states in terms of. Are you back, Mike? Yeah, I'm back now. Yeah, <laughs> as as I was saying, I think that was Donald Trump's
1: guys knocking me out because of what I was gonna say. I'm not a Donald Trump hater. Um no, not- I, I, I am disappointed in how he's managed this whole thing. And and I, for lack i, I mean the, the guy's never been in government before, and this is this is a uh, a once in a lifetime once in a you know millennial type of event, and he's just woefully ill prepared and 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 my guess is he, he's pretty freaked out by the whole thing, and he's trying to uh, respond in the way he knows how as opposed to really rely on the resources around him. You know, I, I think one of the things this demonstrates is every leader is, is going to be pushed to the brink of their own capacity. And it's mm-hmm. at that point in time that's really the test. Like, and how do you how do you do lead when it's beyond what you know and what your capacity is? Yet you mm-hmm. still have to lead, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's been there's been leaders in history that have stepped up. Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War. Right. Churchill, uh, in, War, too. Churchill in World War Two. General Eisenhower in World War II, the the whole collaboration of the Allies in World War II, right? Yeah. That was a demonstration. Yeah. Of, that's a demonstration of where you you give up your ego in service of the cause. And I haven't seen that yet, and that's what disappoints me. Yeah. And and it's and it's an opportunity to go from being a guy to being someone who is renowned in history.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, our guy hasn't hasn't got that yet. Yeah. And, and I don't know if he will. Right. And I haven't seen anyone in government who's seen that. The closest I've seen, and again, I don't I don't agree with much of what he does, but you know, I have to acknowledge his op the way he's operated has been, you know, Andrew Cuomo. That's been the closest okay. guy, you know.
0: Yeah. Here's the thing with Cuomo that I really, really like. I mean, I I I think he's been, and this is what Americans deserve. Yeah. This is what Puts us apart from these nefarious governments like China, like Russia, mm-hmm. like Iran, Saudi yeah. Arabia. Yeah. Is that he's transparent? Yes, absolutely. He's not like he's not like the governor of Florida who wants who wants to hide the infection rates and the death rates. Go- governor Governor Cuomo is very transparent. He yeah. says, "Look, these are the I'm going to be truthful." He's he's not guilty of hyperbole. He doesn't. Mm-hmm exaggerate nor does he underestimate. He says These, this is the situation, it's dire, mm-hmm. right? And at the same time, he has the almost preternatural ability in the face of something that's quite serious mm-hmm. to inspire calm mm-hmm. and hope, yeah. but not false hope, to his, yeah. to his citizens. Yeah. But I think transparency is very, very important because we are not we are we're a constitutional republic. Yeah. Right. We're a form of a democracy. And the American people need to know we need we don't need one of the one of the first rights slides into fascism and and, and rabid authoritarianism Mm -hmm. is when our government begins to start hiding information Mm -hmm. that we have a right to know. it's a mistake to think that all democracies, that the public has a right to know everything and everything, right? Right. There's things in national intelligence or things in the military that we can't know because if we know we can leak the stuff to our adversaries and undermine our national security. Well, not only that is we need to know.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And and, and I'm a big believer that leadership, one of the core elements of leadership, real powerful leadership, is transparency
0: yes
1: and and what transparency does it transcends the ego too yes you know if you have a transparent organization there's not going to be a lot of ego and a lot of blaming going on you know you're going to be you're going to be working for a a higher purpose and it's easier for people to come together and it's easier to work through divergent viewpoints you know and and actually, those divergent viewpoints can actually be the source of creativity and
0: innovation. Thank you. That's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Yes.
1: When, That's exactly
0: when, it. You when know? you're transparent, you yeah. open ve- vectors of it, creative, creative, you know. Absol- openings for people to find solutions
1: yeah and and so when you think about this country you think about the incredible amount of brilliant people that have come from all over the world to work here you think about the incredible amount of brilliant people have come all over the world to study here you think about the the the, the limitless amount of resources we have Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: if anyone could put together a vaccine or a solution or some way to suppress this disease it would be us yeah but to do that We've got to get out of our own way and yeah. we got to put the egos away and we got to yes. stop blaming each other for heaven's sakes, you yes. know, and we got to begin to trust. But we, the only way we can trust is if we start telling the truth yes. and then we start showing, you know, and, and, and exposing and, and owning the mistakes we've made. Listen, part of transparency is it's messy. Yes. You know? Part of the messiness and part of the, and, and we've got to be able to be with mess at some level. I, mm-hmm. I, I remember they had the, the morgue in New York, right? And Andrew Cuomo was pointing to it, it was right down the street from where it was, you know, from some people in New York. There was at one hospital in Manhattan and they had the, the, the refrigerator trucks that horrible week. And then what ended up happening, the media focused on that and not on anything else. And mm-hmm. so that drives up the fear. So there needs to be this responsibility that comes with it. But yeah, and we've got to have some tolerance for mess if we're gonna be transparent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's gonna take it's gonna take all of us like really rethinking who we who we're gonna be. Right. You know? But you know
0: I, I yeah. You know what I think also, I think, yeah. you know, and this is a job philosophers should be doing simultaneously. We should be having multiple conversations. When I saw when I saw this woman in the Target store saying that she, and there was another woman who said she wanted, she was gonna get that bra. Oh, she God. wanted, she hadn't bought a bra in two months and she was gonna get the bra. People, people need to talk about death. We need to talk about death yeah, and stuff. absolutely. And we need to talk about what happens to our sense of vitality and our sense of exuberance when that's been lying dormant for this, in this lockdown for two months. Yeah, there's something uncontainable and there's something uh, it's not a death drive or a death wish, nothing as dramatic as that, but there's something about it that needs to be unleashed. Yeah. And when you get that outlet, when you have that, that, that just that tiny space when the lockdown ceases, yeah, it gets unleashed in sometimes irresponsible, reckless ways. Yeah. But if we, if, we, if we can have these conversations about suffering and depression and death yeah. and the absence of vitality mm-hmm. and, and what to do with that vitality and how to express that vitality. But what I'm seeing, you know, is a culture of cruelty emerging and a culture yeah. of insensitivity. Yeah. And all, on all people are talking about is the economy and money, 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 which is important. Yeah. But we're not having the simultaneous conversation about the kind of anguish and suffering yeah, exactly. And, 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 and what it, the cost to the, to the, the suppression of what is especially crucial to the American people, yeah. their unbridled exuberance and vitality and love of life.
1: Well, you know, my biggest concern, and we're getting near the end here, but my biggest concern is the impact on the children.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, like the way to deal with a problem is you shelter in place, you know. Yeah.